This is a Senior Recognition Sunday. Can we just one more time let our seniors know how much we love them? Amen. I love that. You know, and I'm, I'm thinking of how God has used Trace and Madison, our student team. And uh, yeah, can we just say thank you to our student ministry team? Amen. And then... You know, we got to hear from Chuck and, and Kim, and, and uh, there, there's so many volunteers and workers who are just pour themselves into the lives of our seniors. And I think it'd be so appropriate for us to just say thank you, God, for all of those who volunteer in our student ministry. Amen? Help me to say thank you. All right. Well, listen, this is uh, Senior Sunday, and uh, I know... Uh, that the next chapter for our seniors is just going to be so much more independence involved, right? I mean, you're, you're kind of leaving the nest, and not kind of, you are, and, uh, and, and that just comes with so much independence. And I know you've been dreaming of this day. Uh, I also know that your parents have been dreaming of this day, but that's a different uh, story altogether, altogether. And, and with greater freedom comes greater responsibilities. Think about that, seniors. And in this next chapter of your life, you're about to start another chapter, and in this chapter, you're going to make some decisions. Am I going to follow hard after my will, or am I going to continue to follow hard after God's will? And the decision that you make, my will, God's will, Seniors, listen to me, in large measure is going to determine whether or not God leads you into the life that he has planned for you or whether you stumble into the traps that Satan has set for you. And so my prayer is during this next chapter that you will lean in to Jesus in a very real way. Because the reality is every one of us are beginning the next chapter of our life. Let me just sound hokey and just give me this one, okay? Uh, today is the first day of the rest of your, help me out, what is it? Life. Okay, hokey, right? But is it true? So the truth is every one of us are starting the next chapter of our life. And in the next chapter of our life, it's not just seniors who are graduating, but here is the reality in this next chapter, our flesh, remember the good dog and the bad dog and which one wins, the one that you feed? Our flesh is going to crave independence and the kind of independence where there's no curfews and no restraints and where I can live as I please because I'm my own king. But on the other hand, I want to talk to our seniors today, but the truth is we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and the fruit of the Spirit. And Galatians 5, 22 is not just addressed to students. It's not just addressed to seniors. It's addressed to every Christ follower. So anytime I say senior today, just insert your name because God, I believe, wants to speak to every one of us. And here's the thing I want you to get. This morning... Your soul craves. Yeah, your flesh may crave independence. I'm going to do life as I please. I'm telling you, your soul craves a life lived in the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. I'm even going to try to make the case. And seniors, I'm begging you to listen to me this morning because I believe with every fiber of my being that what your soul craves is the fruit of the Spirit. 
Now, now we, uh, we've got fruit right here, and, and, and we talked last week about oranges, and, and this is still not like a South Texas orange, but it was the best my wife and I could do. At least it's not one of those little dinky things we passed out last Sunday. And, but the truth is, grapes, apples, this is a watermelon, pineapple. And you and I both know, I mean, man, if we bite into this sweet goodness, maybe of an orange or a watermelon, our taste buds come along live, right? And, and there's something inside of us that's just going, I want more. Just physically, you crave another bite of the sweet goodness. And here's the case that I'm making today from God's word. Your soul, more than your taste buds crave the sweetness of fruit, your soul craves the fruit of the Spirit. Think about it. Don't just take my word for it, and, and don't just agree with me, because if you just agree with me, then you're going to tune me out. So let me make this case. Students, I want you to hear this. Seniors, I want you to hear this. Your soul actually craves the fruit of the Spirit. Think about it. You crave love, not a life filled with hate and keeping score and dreaming of revenge. You, your soul actually craves joy, not a dark cloud of despair. Your soul actually craves peace, not worry and fear and crippling anxiety. Your soul actually craves patience, not this incessant desire to, to, to keep up and to get ahead lest other people and life pass you by. Your soul craves the kind of patience that just waits on the Lord and walks with the Lord. And I'm gonna make a case, and seniors, I'm begging you to listen to me on this one. I'm gonna make a case from God's word that your soul actually craves kindness and goodness. More than physically, you crave the sweetness of fruit, and even more than your flesh craves independence with no curfews and no restraints. Where do I get that? Straight out of the Word of God. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, and then notice what it says, kindness, goodness. See, I really believe this. Your soul craves kindness and goodness, but only God can make his fruit grow in you. Your soul craves it, but only God can make kindness and goodness grow in your soul. Let's take the first part of that equation. Only God can make his fruit grow in you. Notice how it says, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of, of, of the Spirit. We've made this point in every single sermon that I've preached in this series from this text, and I want to make it just briefly one more time. You can't grow fruit in you, not the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the reality. You can't produce spiritual fruit in your soul, but when you walk by the Spirit, God does. We talked about South Texas oranges last Sunday and, and these orchards. And one thing I learned from my time in South Texas, about eight years, uh, one thing I learned from having orange trees in my own yard and just walking outside and picking an orange is uh, oranges don't just grow automatically. You can't wish an orange tree to produce oranges. You can't will it. You can't demand it. The reality is a farmer 
farmer uh, over an orchard has to do something if the farmer wants to harvest a crop of oranges. The farmer has to cultivate the field. Uh, The farmer has to uh, water the trees, uh, irrigate fertilize. Uh, The farmer has to control weeds and pests and prune the trees. And the farmer has to protect against freezes. Here's the reality. No cultivation. No matter how much you wish it to be so, no matter how much you want it to be so, no matter how much you will it to be so, here's the truth. No cultivation. No harvest. Now listen to me, it's the very same way in your soul. Seniors, students, and every one of us, please hear this. You cannot wish yourself to be kind, and you cannot will yourself to be good, but you can produce the right conditions, cultivate the right conditions, so that God can and indeed will produce kindness and goodness in your soul, which your soul craves. So how do I cultivate the soil of my heart? Uh, The Bible says you walk by the Spirit, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Seniors, my prayer for you as you begin this next chapter, students, as you begin this next chapter, all of us, as we begin the next chapter of our life, may we all not run away from Jesus, but run to Jesus and ask Jesus to produce his fruit in our soul, which our soul truly craves. Now, that's kind of an introduction. Let's dive into the heart of the text. Your soul craves kindness and goodness. Seniors, right now, I know you're probably thinking of rush week and tailgate Saturdays and getting your own place. And I'm telling you, uh, based on the authority of God's word, your soul craves more than it craves rush week. Your soul craves kindness. That's what it says in the text. The fruit of the Spirit is Kindness. What is kindness? Kindness is tender concern for other people. We often put loving with the word kind, loving kindness, because those two words are so closely connected. One has defined kindness like this. Kindness is love in action. Another defines it like this. Kindness is meeting felt needs through loving deeds. Another says kindness is a God-given capacity to see another human being as infinitely valuable. See, let me tell you something. Kindness begins to transform every relationship that we have with another person. Because when God begins to produce the fruit of kindness in our soul, we begin to see others differently and we treat others differently. Kindness is where we begin to see others as having value and worth. And whenever we're around somebody that we deem valuable of our time, valuable of our attention, valuable of our assistance, if we're around somebody that we deem to be valuable, we see them differently, right? And then we begin to treat them differently. We're willing to invest our time and our effort and our energy. When we're around them, we don't just talk about ourselves or scroll our Instagram feed. When we're around somebody that we deem as valuable, we invest 
invest our time. We don't just talk about ourselves. We start asking questions about them. My goodness, if, if Scotty Scheffler were sitting right over here on the front row, I mean, you, you would be kind of distracted, right? And you'd be going, why isn't Scotty Scheffler uh, playing golf in the PGA Championship? You'd also be thinking, man, I'd like to shake hands with Scotty Scheffler. I'd, I'd like to ask him some questions. I'd like to get to know him. It's amazing how when we see someone the way Jesus sees them with value and worth, then we begin to treat them the way Jesus treats them with respect and dignity. And we find ourselves becoming more interested in them. Remember the definition? Kindness is meeting felt needs through loving deeds. We invest in things and people that we deem valuable. Think about it. Don't we do that, right? You, you may own a house and if you own a house, it's possibly the largest investment you have. And so you think not that much about spending perhaps even a significant sum of money uh, to fix up your house. You'll spend $10,000 and, oh, it's hard to do. But man, if you want a decorator, you want to redo those floors or those cabinets, you can kind of justify that in your mind because you deem your house to be so valuable. Or maybe for you, it's a car and, and you'll spend more on a car than you should. Or maybe for you, it's video games and, and, and Call of Duty, the latest one comes out, you'll stand in line for an hour and you'll spend big bucks because you value video games and you like Call of Duty. Or maybe for you it's decorating and you'll spend on the latest fashions. Parents are that way, right? Parents value their kids. Money may be tight, but you're out shopping and your child sees that bluey doll and that, that child's going, I want the bluey doll. You couldn't even pay off your credit card bill this last month, but you sacrifice. Why? Because you value your children as a parent and you want to see their face light up. Now, here's the point I'm trying to make. Your soul craves kindness. Your soul craves the kind of relationship where you begin to see others as valuable and you give, you invest time and effort and energy in that relationship and where others see you as valuable. They see you through the eyes of Jesus and they begin to invest time and effort and energy into you. It's what we've seen in uh, Kim and Chuck West, right? In the story. God has produced in them the fruit of kindness, and so they see value in students, and so they invest time and effort and energy in the lives of students. That's what kindness is. Your soul craves that. But your soul also craves goodness. See, the fruit of the Spirit is kindness, and the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. What in the world is goodness? If my soul craves it, what is it? It's moral excellence, integrity. It's, it's the kind of situation where your inner self is very consistent with the self that you project to the rest of the world. Uh, it's, you're the same person in private as you are in public. Maybe you've heard the old saying, you are who you are when no one is looking. Uh, see, the person you are is not the person you project to the world. The person that you are is the person you are behind closed doors when no one else is around. What is goodness? Goodness is where the secret you, the private you, the hidden you, the concealed you is very close to the public you. 
Now, now when you hear goodness, don't just hear morality, a person who does the right thing. An atheist can do the right thing. An atheist can be a morally upstanding person. An atheist can be a good person, but an atheist cannot have the mind of Christ, the heart of Jesus, and the atheist cannot have the holiness of God just growing in their soul. And so what is goodness? Goodness is the righteousness of God filling your soul and spilling out onto others. It's so easy to fake goodness, isn't it? Isn't it easy to just kind of project? I'm a good person, when in reality, there's a whole lot of stuff going on. Isn't it easy to just fall into just having a secret life? The truth is, we all have a hidden self. The truth is, we all have parts that we conceal. The truth is, we all have parts of our life that we don't want anyone else to know about. We don't want them to know what we're thinking. We don't want them to know what we're doing. And when God begins to produce the fruit of goodness in us, what it means is we're praying, God, will you take the hidden parts of my soul and will you make them good? Will you take the concealed parts of my life and will you make me righteous in that area? I love the old saying, you're only as sick as your secrets. So your soul craves not to live this, this dichotomy where, where I'm, a, I'm, I'm living this hidden secret life, but then I have to I have sp spend all this energy to project a public life. Goodness is where there is consistency between the hidden you and the public you. And let me tell you something, your soul craves that because when God begins to produce goodness in you, you become a more transparent person, a more honest person, more approachable, more humble, and less plastic. And so what we're saying in this message is this, your soul actually craves kindness where you begin to see others like Jesus sees them and you treat others like he does and where you are good, not just projecting goodness, but where God begins to create goodness in your own soul, righteousness in your own soul. And I'm saying, based on God telling us the fruit of the Spirit, I'm saying you are a new creation in Christ. And seniors, you may be dreaming about Rush and uh, tailgate Saturdays, but your soul craves kindness and goodness even more than that. I'll never forget the first time Kim and I had the privilege of taking our oldest grandchild out on a date. No mom and dad around, just lovey and pop. It was awesome. We had flown up to D.C. where they were living, and, and I'm sure Reagan, our oldest grandchild, was one or two by now, and, and we wanted to do this upright. So we took her to the most exclusive, uh, the most enjoyable, exciting restaurant that she could imagine. And we asked her, Reagan, where do you want to go eat? And she said, chick delay. So we took her to Chick-delay. 
Now, now she's one, two, Kim and I, neither one could remember how old she was at the time, but we're sitting there at Chick Delay, just enjoying it. We've got our grandchild. It's just the three of us and, and we're enjoying, we buy her nuggets and, and those waffle fries and, and water because, you know, first time parents, no sugar. And we're like killjoy. And, and so we're like, okay, but then, but then the coolest thing happened. It dawned on me that ketchup, what is it made from? Tomatoes. It's like a vegetable. And so they didn't say no vegetables. So we spread some ketchup out on her plate. To our knowledge, she had never had ketchup before. She takes the waffle fry, dips it, and takes a bite. Pretty bored. And then <gasps> she had never tasted anything like that. And I mean, she's gnawing. And boy, and that waffle fry is gone. She gets another waffle fry. And before we know it, I mean, she is sitting there just scooping up the ketchup and sucking it. <laughs> off of the waffle fry, like I don't want to get a full on waffles. No, I'm eating more ketchup. And Kim, I mean, there's just ketchup all, and Kim's worried about that. I'm just looking around going, please, Jesus, don't let Megan and Corey come in. Don't let them see, or we'll never get to take her out again. See, my, my oldest loves ketchup, still loves ketchup. You want macaroni and cheese? Yeah, with ketchup. She loves ketchup. But here's what God is trying to tell us in this passage. Your soul, God speaking, I designed it, I created it. You're a new creation. And I designed it so that your soul craves kindness and goodness. More than my granddaughter craves ketchup, more than you, your taste buds crave sweet fruit more than anything else. So what am I inviting you to do? I'm inviting you to ask God this week, God, would you produce in me the fruit of kindness? I can't will myself to be kind. I can't wish myself to be kind. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of Gary or the fruit of you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. God, will you produce kindness in my soul? Will you let me see people that maybe I've not valued through your eyes so that I value them? And then will you give me the kindness to treat them as valuable individuals so that I freely invest time, effort, energy, attention, even resources in them? Here's what I want you to do. Think of one person right now that you've kind of written off. The truth is they're in your orbit and you kind of have to rub shoulders with them, but you don't like them. Nobody's thinking of your pastor right now, are you? <laughs> now listen, I just want you to, one person, especially if it's your pastor, definitely one person. And just... Picture one person, you've kind of written them off. You don't value them. And what I want you to do is just begin to pray every day, God, would you let me see this person through your eyes this week? And then fake it till God makes it, okay? Until God creates kindness in you. Here's what I want you to do. Pray, God, let me see them through your eyes this week. And then I want you to interact with them. Do for them what Jesus is doing for them. Invest some time, attention. Maybe it's just a conversation. Maybe you're just asking questions about their life. Maybe you're just engaging with them. But ask God to create the fruit of kindness because your soul was designed to run on kindness. And second, 
Ask God to produce the fruit of goodness in you. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Just look in your soul and, and just think about the most hidden parts, the deepest, darkest parts. Would you just, before God, just say, God, I'm asking you to take my hidden parts and make them good so that I don't have to conceal, I don't have to live a double life, I don't have to have a hidden life and a public life where I can be consistent between my hidden person and my public person. Would you just ask God to create goodness in you? Let me tell you what's gonna happen if you do this. If you allow God to begin to produce the fruit of kindness in you, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna begin to like people more. You're gonna become less judgmental. You're, you're gonna find other people more interesting. I do funerals all the time where I'll sit down with a family and they'll tell me about an individual and I'll find out things about them I never knew. They fought in a war or they invented some gadget or they served in some presidential administration or they were a spy for the CIA. And, and I think, man, I wish I'd gotten to know the more. I could have asked them about some of the CIA secrets and they could have let the cat out of the bag. I'm telling you, what will happen is you will become more likable because you will like people more. And the truth is we love those who love us. You are going to have your relationships with others transformed. And second, you know what's going to happen if you ask God to produce in you the fruit of goodness? You're going to become less self-conscious, less self-absorbed, less even self-critical. You're not going to worry so much about what others think about you. Besides, you wouldn't worry about what others think about you if you just realized they don't. Here's the reality. See, when you're not busy trying to project something, you live more authentically you're less plastic, you're more open, you're more humble because others see your flaws and you just own your flaws. And you say, I'm asking God to make me good where I am bad. And can I just say this? It's gonna transform, goodness transforms relationships. Think about this, tell me if you agree or disagree. If you disagree, just tell me later. Do you run from or do you run toward? People who, man, just under the surface, you know there's a bunch of stuff going on there. You know they're hiding stuff. You know they're concealing stuff. And you get the impression uh, it ain't good. I mean, it's like evil, not good. And there's all these hidden motives and hidden agendas. You just get the heebie-jeebies when you're around them, right? I mean, the truth is, you're around somebody like that and you just kind of start backing away. But if you're around somebody who's genuinely good, they're honest and open and transparent. I mean, they're kind of like Jesus in their public, public life, but, but you sense underneath, they're a lot like Jesus and they're honest and they're open and they're dealing with their stuff. I mean, the truth is, we're drawn to people who are good and we're repulsed by people who are evil. If you allow God to begin to produce in you the fruit of kindness and goodness in this next chapter of your life, whether you're a senior graduating or a student or anyone else listening to me, it's gonna transform your relationships. Your soul is hungry for kindness and goodness. 
Trace is going to come up and he is going to dismiss us uh, this morning. But let me just say this. If you have never trusted Jesus to be your Savior, uh, the Holy Spirit cannot and will not produce the fruit of kindness and goodness in you. The first step is to ask Jesus Christ, who is the King of Kings, to be your King. He came, he died, he was buried, he rose again, so that if you repent of your sins and place your faith and trust in him, just saying, Jesus, I believe you're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you are rightfully my King, and I confess you as my King, and I will follow you. Do you know if you will do that, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? God God will save you. He'll give you a new life in him, and he'll begin to lead you into a life filled with abundance, including the fruit of kindness and goodness. The first step is to place your faith and your trust in Jesus. And right after Trace dismisses us, I invite you I invite you to go to that next step room and take your next step with Jesus. Maybe you need somebody to pray over you. Maybe you need to talk about church membership. Maybe you need somebody to help you to give your life to Jesus. Let me encourage you. Go to that next step room on your way out. 